This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hey guys, it's Lola Berry here. This guest is massive in the yogi world. Ian Finn is his name. He's the creator of Blissology Yoga. He is a massive, keen marine kind of conservationist. In fact, he runs retreats all over the world where you can do half yoga's retreat, half save the environment and like help replant coral reefs. This guy's pretty awesome. Uh, in fact, we spent a lot of the talk uh, talking about like his encounters with wildlife because I have a very weird obsession with sea life and marine life and animals in general. Ian Finn is awesome, super spiritual. Um, I don't think he's got any hard, fast rules when it comes to yoga or yogs, which is a breath of fresh air for me. So I hope you enjoy this kind of hippie, surfer, spiritual chat with Ian Finn. I'm so excited to have this guest here. This is Ian Finn, and you're probably most known as an incredible yogi. Yeah. Blissologist. Yeah. Am I saying that right? I've seen it right. Yeah, man. <laughs> Surfer. Surfer. I would say you're also an environmentalist. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love the ocean. Oh, this is So this is why we press record the way that, well, we've been chatting and we both realised that there's a connection where we both really love the ocean and marine life and yeah. you've got a beautiful tattoo of a blue whale on yeah. the inside of your forearm brand new this year is it yeah. representing my commitment to um, be a better steward for the ocean did you say you did it on world ocean day on world ocean day i just feel like you're one of those people that i'm gonna be like i wish i asked this i wish i asked this <laughs> So although this is yeah. a podcast celebrating failure in yeah. the most beautiful way, yeah. I do want to kind of unpack some of the, just like the passion stuff too because I feel like you've got so much to offer. Yeah. So can we do some of that too? I'm totally into everything. <laughs> so good. So good. So we will we will uh, touch on the failures because there are a fair few yogis that listen to this and that get into this potty. So I do want to quickly talk to the yoga side. So you've been teaching for about 19 years now, would you say? Yeah, 20 years. That's impressive. Yeah, practicing for 31 years. Do you remember your first yoga class? I do. Yeah, I do. Mm. Definitely. Um, I mean, actually, back in those days, my original experience with yoga was – well, I'm a surfer and I love mm. doing all kinds of ocean sports. And actually, my major in university was um, philosophy. Yeah. And um, I studied yoga philosophy. Oh, awesome. I, I kind of reversed the way people normally go, like from asana to meditation to philosophy. I started with philosophy, got into meditation, and then I got oh. into yoga. And um, yoga mean the asana practice. And uh, yeah, I was very um, stiff at a young age because I did so many sports Mm. and um, a lot of my friends who are 10 years older they would have such a hard time putting their socks on like they'd have to lie on their bed to get their socks on they were so (laughs) stiff when they woke up I'm like 
there has to be a better way. Mm. So um, being interested in yoga, I looked it up and uh, I got a book. I tried to do it uh, with moderate success. Yeah. And I had a friend whose mom taught yoga and she we were on the beach in Canada where I grew up and it was a gorgeous summer day. Yeah. And she's like, you're struggling. She's like, you need to learn sun salutations. I'll show you how to start. And it was there and the sun on the beach. And I'm just like, I'm doing this till the day I die. Ah, uh, yeah. You were drinking the Kool Aid. Oh, right, instantly, <laughs> instantly. Yeah. So good. I love that you studied philosophy, and I've heard you speak about Joseph Campbell being one of your heroes in a oh, way. Yeah. And I saw this quote, and I'm sure that you have probably heard people go to speak to this all the time. But I just loved it. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Right. How cool. Right. Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's true. So was he, I guess, someone that totally inspired you to go down that philosophy path or did that come as you started studying yeah. philosophy? Yeah. Actually, you know, nature is going to be a theme probably throughout the whole talk. <gasps> yes. But um, I grew up in a small town in Canada. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time around trees and lakes and, um, and I was a you know, super rambunctious kid did all the stupid kid things, <laughs> fights in the forest and yeah. playing with toy guns and all that stuff. And I had lots of boy energy, but things would happen. Like I would stop and actually look at butterflies, the way mm. the wind moved. And there were just incredible moments of, I mean, now I have a word for it, stillness mm. in, in nature. And I'm like, wow, when this happens, something, when I actually do this, something incredible happens. And ever since then, when I look back on my life, I've been really trying to answer one real big question, which is what exactly happens in our bodies, mm. in our hearts, and in our minds when we get quiet and present out in nature? And um, how does this relate to Joseph Campbell? Um, when I was answering those questions, uh, he was on television on PBS, mm -hmm. and he did a series called The Power of Myth. And he was talking about the Native American idea, the First Nations idea of a great spirit, how you don't have to go to a church or a temple or a mosque or anywhere like this to have a spiritual experience. Anywhere on earth uh, is open to this experience. And this was the way the uh, Native Americans viewed spirituality. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm so into this. And then the next thing Joseph Campbell went on to explain is, that is the mystical experience. Yeah. And the experience of yoga is actually a science and a technology of how to go deeper in that experience. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. Like, let's, let's check this yoga stuff out. And, so cool. I've yeah. heard you describe nature as the greatest spiritual portal. Yeah. Like have done your research. Yeah, well, true. I told you I'm a Virgo. Yeah. I have to, but there's this word that I'm obsessed with and I learn about it in my nutrition degree. Yeah. It's biophilia. Oh, yeah. So like the healing power of Mother Nature on human beings. Is that uh, David Fromm? I don't know who. Yeah. Okay. But I yeah. just love the word and it's my favourite word in the entire world now. <clears throat> I love it too, yeah. It kind of comes to alignment like love, what you were saying. Love, brotherhood with life, yeah. Yeah, like growing up in the forest and being around nature. Yeah. And now there's all these terms for it, earthing, grounding, taking your shoes off, just being in nature. And it's yeah. now a form of natural medicine. Exactly. and that's And it actually relates a lot even – to the yoga experience. I just did a course that we do as part of our advanced trainings. Mm -hmm. It's a philosophy course, but it's called Yogic by Nature. And really is talking to exactly these topics that we've been talking about so far. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's so important to 
really fall in love with the planet every day. Mm. And I think, you know, when I do our trainings, I explain to people who are yoga teachers that your job <clears throat> is exactly the same as a poet. Yeah. Like a poet or an artist, what they do is instead of you being in your mind and busy and you don't actually slow down and see that flower or whatever, they, they will actually open your senses up and remove the glass between you and that beauty. So when you see that beauty, it awakens the beauty in you. Mm. And um, and yeah, that's that's the whole key to that. life yeah. and health and everything. So I'm so glad that, uh, I mean, our ancestors knew this, but we became so disconnected in the Industrial Revolution. Totally. I think after that, that now we have to, as a culture, relearn it, and I'm glad to see that coming back. Totally. I was I interviewed a guest yesterday, and we just spoke about him, Tim Silverwood, okay. from Take Three for the for the Sea, and he's very passionate about conservation and looking after especially marine life and the oceans, and he was saying how the Industrial Revolution was the turning point where humans really started hugely not looking after other species, like taking and taking and taking and almost like bending the rules of nature. Okay, everyone has to go check out Sapiens. Yes. Don't read the whole book. Just go straight to Chapter 18. We just covered this in our course. Yeah. And it completely explains it in um, just a couple quick uh, points about it is that um, prior to the Industrial Revolution, people generally had no concept of time. Like Mm, literally the point he makes is that um, people didn't know the year, let alone the day, the time. And now um, you have to go out of your way not to know the time. It's on your microwave, it's on your phone, mm-hmm. it's on you know, the street. And, um, but what they did have 300 years ago was they were in rhythm with the sun, mm-hmm. the movement of the sun, the growth of plants. Mm-hmm. And um, his point now is that we're very out of touch with the growth of plants the totally. rhythm of the sun, nature, but everyone knows time. And so we flipped it completely. And, um, yeah, we've shaped this planet to our will, but what's the cost of that? It's coming at a cost. It's funny you say that because as a nutritionist, I always say let's bring it back to basics and eat seasonally, which sounds like a really easy, simple message. Yeah. But if you come back to that, it's almost like reverting back to like, you know, we're actually – Berries aren't meant to be in season in winter for us. Right. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. and, and it's funny, like these fruits and things that now you can get all year round, they're really high in electrolytes. You're meant to have them in the summer when you're sweating more and exactly. you need more electrolytes. Yeah. And in the winter, you're meant to have more pumpkin. You probably call it squash. Do you pumpkin? call it, do you yeah. call it pumpkin? It's Both, yeah. Or eggplant. Do you call aubergine? No, eggplant. You call it, oh, what am I getting confused with? Aubergine. I know they say aubergine in India and they probably. Maybe um, the UK. Yeah, UK. I must be getting my yeah. veggies mixed up. So, but do you say cilantro? I say cilantro, yeah. Yes, I got one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny, which is um, coriander, coriander, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. My wife is from India, yeah. and she sent me to the store once to get coriander <laughs> to Whole Foods, and I walked around for like 20 <laughs> minutes going, I know what coriander is. What is it? <laughs> and, I'm, and finally I broke down and asked the guy, and he brought me to where they have coriander seeds. Yes. And I yeah. got coriander seeds and came back, and my wife was like, it's cilantro. cilantro. Yeah. I'm like, oh, darn. <laughs> it's so good, though. I love it. Whenever I go to America and do media, I've yeah. got to quickly change my words that I use for ingredients. Oh, right. Because my accent is really strong, Australian. I have to slow down and kind of like – Fix my R's. Oh, yeah. Big time. Because I remember I was like, oh, can I just get a glass of water? 
Yeah. And they're like, what, what would you like? <laughs> so I've learned, I've learned that anyway, I totally digress, which is my nature, by the way. Yeah. I love that you brought up time because really it is a constraint of the mind that we have built as human beings. Oh, yeah. And this necessity to be like, go, 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 and onto. And I could feel it when you walked into the room. You're like uber calm and zen. And I was like getting the mics all set up and a little bit flustered. And you were like, take as long as you need. It's okay. And straight away I was like, boom. And I felt like I kind of like calmed down to yeah. your energy a little bit. And I think we can get so caught up in all these kind of like other things, like materialistic things, like giving a shit about what people think about us, all that kind of like junk. Oh, yeah. And when it seems to me like, and not to come back to the philosophy too much, but I've heard you speak about you were passionate about the philosophy of love. Oh, yeah. Which is like our internal essence, I believe. I do too. Yeah. So can you talk about what you mean by the philosophy of love? Sure. It's a big question, I know. Yeah. I mean, that's the essence of blissology. I mean, blissology is the art and science of happiness. Mm. And so far, my top theory is that Kindness equals happiness. If you want to be happy, be kinder. Mm -hmm. um, and really fearlessly show up with love. Um, the litmus test at the end of our life for success will be, I think, um, how much love we brought out into the planet. And, um, and my definition of love, it's a force that blurs the line between where we end and someone else begins, or something else begins in the case of nature. And, um, and, and just, you know, one other touchstone about love, and you see where it goes, is um, I really feel like we are taught to play really small when it comes to love. Like, just keep yourself pretty guarded. Guard, yeah. yeah, keep your guard so on and yeah. stay protected. You'll be vulnerable if you love too much. Yeah. And, um, and it's not even really a mean thing. I don't think we're a mean culture necessarily, but this whole idea of I won't bug you, you don't bug me, mm. and we'll get along great. I'm not sure where that's getting us as a culture. Where's the depth? Where's the depth? You know, so here it is. I feel like we're getting, as a culture, I don't know, if we were in school, D minus. Totally. E, totally when it comes totally. to loving each other. Yeah, totally. And, and my big question is like, what would an A look like? And why yeah. are we not afraid to love like? and get an A grade and just see what that, and, the, and, that, and that's, um, that's my experiment is to get groups of people together and go, let's try and get an A and see how this works. You're quickly making me want to do your teacher training. I've just finished my, I've done 500 hours recently and okay. I'm like, whoa, I am teacher trained out for a little while. <laughs> I wasn't and trying to pitch you. And no, I know you were. I'm sitting here with you and you're talking. I'm like, damn it, I'm totally going to sign up. Yeah. And one thing that I've heard about that you run and this kind of runs into the eco, mm -hmm. the eco karma kind mm -hmm. of stuff, you actually run retreats where, yes, you can be doing yoga in the morning, but then in the afternoon you can be doing something to help the planet. Can you yeah. talk to me, one, about the passion, about yeah. helping the planet, and then what you offer through Blissology. Yeah. I mean, we got a small dose of what the uh, retreats are like. Um, so we did yoga ecology surf retreats originally. Ah. Yes. Y-E-S, yoga ecology surf. And so we'd bring people to beautiful places mm. to um, do yoga, to learn or deepen their surfing. Um, and we'd bring uh, an environmentalist to explain mm -hmm. about nature to people. Uh, but then... Uh, as the years progressed, we would be in the same place two or three years in a row. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this coral is dying 
each year we come yeah. back. Does it go white when it dies? Does it look like it's losing its colour and go this kind of yeah, brownie when it's dying, white? It, well, when it goes brown, it's dead. Okay. When it goes white, it's bleaching. It's dying. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, the short story on it is um, the um, algae that lives inside mm-hmm. it, that gives us its colour. Mm-hmm. And when the coral gets stressed, it spits them out. Uh, the, the coral spits out the algae. That's, that's a symbiotic relationship. Mm. And so that's where the coral gets most of its food from. Mm. And so when it's actually in that process, that's the bleaching stage. So it doesn't have any more of the colorful algae left inside. Zuzothelia, so it's called. Yeah. And, um, and then, um, but when, it's, when the coral is actually dead, it actually turns brown. And is there any coming back from that? No. Wow. Okay. No. So no, it becomes a rock. It's the. I mean, uh, yeah. We'll get. To, I mean, we can get to the coral yeah. part soon. But it's like. I mean, corals are amazing because yeah. they're part plant, animal, and mineral kind of thing. Yeah. So just the minerals left, but the plant and the animal. The, there's actually a coral that lives inside a polyp. Really. That's yeah. It's actually yeah. Um, I mean, I've held them in my hands. So they're kind of like a little. Um, not a jellyfish type. They're, they're long and skinny. Um, and that lives inside of the coral. So it actually uh-huh. builds It actually builds a shell around it. Like we, yeah. we have skeletons inside of ourselves. Yeah. It'll have an exoskeleton mm-hmm. outside of it. And, um, and so once the coral dies, that makes this skeleton. Yeah. Um, the, the, the reef is, the coral's dying. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. There's no more creature inside of it. And I, as far as like how important coral is, I've heard you say that so 1% of the ocean is coral, but 25% of the ocean lives on coral. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So if you take away the coral, there goes 25%, but then you have the synergistic effect or the, it's not synergistic, the effect, like the knock-on effect of that yeah. on the rest of the ocean and then on humans eventually. Yeah. I ocean mean, dies, human dies. When the, well, when the corals die, yeah, it's... Um, the way I describe it to people is, I mean, how many species did we lose? Like we're losing hundreds of species every year, like the northern mm. white rhino. That's a species. But the coral is a whole ecosystem. Mm. It's like losing trees, mm. right? So um, it's massive. And anyway, back to the retreat part of it, the, how, the, how we started changing the way we did the retreats. Is I, always wanted to, I always wanted to do something for the ocean. But the problem with the ocean is it doesn't really have a face. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's not that I think that the ocean's more important than, let's say, starving people, for example. Like, everyone's got to find their way of giving back. So, but the thing is, if you do work with starving people, let's say that you can s- see that it has a human face on it. But mm. the ocean is just so, like, big and it's out of sight, out of mind for most people. Yet it's 70% of the planet. That's 70% <laughs> of the planet. But how do you actually give people an emotional reaction where they actually feel connected to it and want to do something about it. Um, anyway, that's a tricky part of it. But um, I, I really just, there was, there was part of me that just couldn't deal with going back to the same place every year to do a retreat and watching the coral die. Mm. And then we're doing yoga and talking about our connection to nature. And then the afternoon, everyone's getting their nails painted and pedicure yeah. and massage. And then we go back and do more yoga. And I'm like, this, this, we have to close this loop. Like mm. we can't, we can't live with this blind spot. Mm. So I, I had this idea of doing eco karma retreats, mm. we call it. 
And um, we did the first one in Florida back in 2015. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was basically calm. And we'll do yoga in the morning. Mm. And then in the afternoons, we're going to um, transplant coral. And this is my kind of retreat, my friend. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it's work. Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's, like, it's nourishing your soul. There's something about when you know that you're giving back or helping. I feel like there's an innate calling and purpose as a human to feel like you're at least helping. Or uh, It's my antidepressant. Totally. Like, you know, all of us sit around in cafes and complain about the government and mm. what are we doing and, and to actually move from that to being surrounded with like 40 other people totally. that are just, okay, what has to get done? What what do we need to do? And part of the Eco Karma retreats is, it, is it's quantifiable. Like mm -hmm. we need to be able to say it, in a photo or with data to go, this is what this area looks like mm -hmm. before we came and this is what it looks like after. So in Florida, for example, our first year, we transplanted one square kilometer of coral. So this is what you were just saying before it went on. You can grow coral. Like you can re like it can grow back. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a band-aid solution. Yeah. You know, people ask a lot, well, won't the coral just die if there's another ocean heating event? And of course it will. Mm -hmm. But um, but first of all, you can't do nothing. Right. Absolutely. And but it will it will grow again a lot like a succulent. Yes, I've heard you, you describe it. Yeah, you take a cutting of a plant, you stick it in water, and it grows roots. Yeah. In it. It's not exactly the same process, but you take a cutting of the coral, and we put it in saltwater tanks, and then that grows. So something the size of, let's say, your pinky, mm. half your pinky, will be about, I don't know, half the size of a basketball within it's six months. pretty good. Yeah. And then that can be reattached to the coral, uh, to the reef. And growing again, yeah. So. You're a legend. Yeah. I only I, heard this last night in a podcast. I was like, I cannot wait to talk yeah, to you about isn't this. Isn't that cool? It's amazing. Yeah, so. I was going to save this next question till the end, but you've kind of led me into it. So I'm okay. going to, we'll come to failures eventually, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but when you were saying about how, like, because the ocean doesn't have a face yeah. and, like, how do we create a social impact and, uh -huh. and create a change? So the things that have caused, with marine life and with the ocean and documentaries, if I see like Blue or um, what was that, The Cove? Yep, have you seen The Cove? Oh, yeah. Big, big fan. And then Blackfish. Have you seen Blackfish? Um, I don't oh, have seen Blackfish. You have yeah. to see it. I okay. mean, it's confronting. And for people listening at home, Blackfish is a documentary about orca whales being kept in captivity. Oh, okay. In Florida, in I'm Florida. pretty sure. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. And so there were a few instances. So an orca's never attacked a human in wild, in nature, yeah. ever. In, in the history of anything, never happened. But in Florida, it, it killed. There was a whale called Tilikum and he killed his trainer. Yeah, he it happened in my hometown in Vancouver also at the aquarium there. Uh, has to be, I, I don't have to Google it, but like 20 years ago. Really? Yeah. yeah. So the theory is because they, they set the orcas free after that. I mean, they're just like these these animals were not meant to be. No. Yeah. So they, they they've done the stats, and it's like a human being trapped in a bathtub your entire life, mm -hmm. and they've got spindle neurons in there. I'm real. I told you I'm nerdy about yeah. whales and yeah. orca whales. They've got spindle neurons, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's like we've got them, and yeah. apes have got them, and it's where we feel empathy and we cry when we're hurt and we feel. Yeah. Orcas have got this, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their brain is, like, way bigger than ours, too. I would argue that they're probably smarter than us. Yeah. That's and why they don't 
touch technology. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Of course totally. they're happy with yeah. But this, so as soon as this doco came out, and this is where I think that there is so there is hope, like there is so much hope, this doco came out and now breeding in captivity is totally illegal. Yeah. It cannot happen now. Yeah. It's incredible the change that can be created when humans do good things. Like that's why I loved hearing about the coral reef. I'm like, yeah. man, this is the magic. Yeah. You know, it's, there is good stuff happening. I'm glad it lights you up because, um, yeah, it was a big, um, I don't know, it was a big gamble, you know. I'm like, uh, I don't know if people, when's you the know, next I'm asking one? people Sign to forego up. their massages and mani-pedis to dive down 30 feet and <laughs> epoxy um, coral onto the reefs. <laughs> but in, you, know? you could say also like there's an element of yoga. I didn't know, I didn't know if people yoga. would want to come or not, you know. That is yoga too though. Is 100%, it not like, yeah. I mean. And there would be a sense of dharma and purpose. It's, every, it's everything we talked about is love. I mean, if it, you're, it's, um, it's getting unstuck on yourself. And, I mean, here's, here's the yoga part of it is that yoga – and ecology is just saying the same thing, and that's all things are connected. Mm, and totally. when we live from that place, that's love. When you recognize the unity of all things, so yeah, that's that's my, that's a form of yoga, and that's why we call eco karma yoga, inspired by karma yoga of the Gita. Totally. Yeah, I, I picked that up. I picked yeah. that up on okay. you. But I can't wait. I hope you're doing more. Do you want to say when you're doing your next one? Uh, yeah, uh, next one will be in March in Bali. Awesome. Yeah, so um, we're working. Actually, we're expanding this year. So it's not just coral. We're doing work on the mangroves. So I met some people, and their project is uh, to get plastic out of the mangroves over on the Sonor side of Bali. Awesome. And, um, you know, I spend a lot of time in Bali every year, and I'm like, I'm in. Uh, how can I help you in so, I'm totally yeah. putting you in touch Sustainable with Tim. Surf. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I saw be, that. He went to that place in Hawaii, the garbage island. Have you heard of that? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And he was like, it's incredible. None of the, none of the garbage is from Hawaii. Oh, like, yeah. It just oh, – We've done system. we've done eco-karma retreats actually with Wanderlust in, um, and we work with Sustainable Coastlines. Mm-hmm. It's a great organization in Hawaii. And uh, we do work to remove the plastic. Everyone thinks Hawaii is amazing, and it is, of course. I love, it's my favorite place in the world. Oh, I love but, Hawaii. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of currents that, mm-hmm. and, and the amount of trash that walked, walked, like, washes in on the beach there is incredible. Mm. And, of course, there's, you know, 20-foot 20 fo- 20 waves on the reefs. And so, you know, the plastic bottles that come across just get pulverized. And so we do this work to bring the big plastic off the beach, mm-hmm. but the microplastics is yeah. insane. Yeah. So it's just something that I feel like everyone on earth should do once to stick their hand in, let's say, I don't know, meters, like, uh, but like two square feet yeah. of, of sand. And um, you look at it and you see these kind of blue things inside of it mm. and it looks like seashells. But what we do is we sift it, like you shake it, and there's a mesh in the bottom, so it's, it leaves the sand goes. But what you're left with is, let's say, in how much is two square feet? Like this big white leg? Yeah. So imagine two shoe boxes. Thirty-six. Three shoe boxes, kind of yeah, like yeah. together. So that's why, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, if you take that much sand, you'll end up with enough microplastics to fill both palms. Yeah, it's that's crazy. left over. And so once you see that, that's like that's that's in the sand. You know, it just gives you a whole new perspective and, and like, next time someone offers you a plastic cup somewhere, mm. it gives you that, 
um, sick feeling of like, it's just we can do better. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the best bit is like we do get to vote with our dollars. So you do every time you eat or go out or you do get to make that choice where yeah. ethically like what choice am I making where like if you eat meat, like where's the meat coming from? You know, you get to make – I've heard you're passionate about finding vegan sushi yeah. cafes. Is I that really it. a thing? Yeah. I love Vegan sushi is amazing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you're not initiated, you're thinking like – avocado roll in the middle yeah, you know yeah, what totally, i mean totally but there's some That's where my really there's some really creative uh vegan sushi that honest honestly you know i love sushi i love <laughs> i love fish sushi don't yeah. get me wrong but if we went out you would not know the difference really? like i mean you would it's just so flavorful it's just not like eating you know 20 avocado rolls or cucumber rolls where, or something. where's your favorite place to go in the world for vegan sushi um you know it sounds like the weirdest place, but there is one spot in Montreal in Canada really? that just knocks it out of the park. And I wish I could remember the exact name, but no, um, that's good they changed my life. They that's changed my life. Know. And, um, yeah, um, yeah, we could, we should do a little recipe book on uh, vegan <laughs> sushi. I mean, <laughs> like, it's true. Like, I, I mean, you don't have to give up flavor. You know, no, but. yeah, totally. I mean, I was vegan for four years and I learned that pretty quick. I was like, yeah. as long as you you need to understand. I, I went down the vegan path where I was going to bananas on dates because I was okay. like, it's in a lot of things, even savory sauces. Yeah. And, and I wasn't my healthiest then. And then I've, you know, found my balance since, which is like, oh, my body does like good fat, good protein, but not such high carbs. Yeah. And so when you can do that vegan, you just need to be aware. Yeah. And you need to be quite mindful. Well, it's good. It's good to share that. I'm glad you're doing that because the, the real big trick to it is you need to know how to make sauces. Mm. Like that's, the, I think a lot yeah. of people end up eating meat because you just throw it on the Barbie. Yeah, the, well done. The Barbie, the Barbie. The bar- that was a good, that, that was, was good, Aussie. right? Yeah, yeah, good Aussie um, on the barbecue. <laughs> and you uh, and you don't have to do much to it. It's like simple and you just. Yeah, you know, it's a no-brainer. It's, it's, it's no-brainer. You don't have to know how to make sauces. But yeah, with some of the vegan food, you have to understand how to make sauces. Mm. And um, yeah, that's that's a real big gift to share that with people oh thank yeah. you i'm i'm funny i'm a bit like a gypsy i'll follow my heart and i'll be like oh this is fun let's write books for a bit oh this is this like i'll do yoga school for ages like i just i just follow my heart so i'm a bit i'm a real gypsy with everything but i do want to speak about the Failure. content you've actually yeah, yeah. sent me because okay. it is fascinating and i think that uh, like I told a few yogis in Melbourne where I live that I was interviewing you and they were like, no way, like amazing. And they were awesome. so excited about it. So I think it's really beautiful to hear someone just kind of be like, hey, yeah, I'm loving this, but I want you to be, no, there were moments where I had to go through these other things that are a bit uncomfy. Yeah. That's awesome. the premise. Awesome. Just shout out real quick to Melbourne. Melbourne. I love it, man. It's so epic. What a do great you, city. Do you yeah. love Melbourne? I love it for some yeah. reason. I'm not sure why. I have a lot of great crew there, and um, but I just love the vibe of the city. Uh, so I'm from Melbs. I'm born and raised in Melbs, yeah. and I'm seeing a dialect coach at the moment because I want to learn to do an American accent, which okay. I'm not very good at. <laughs> and he goes, oh, you're from Melbourne, aren't you? And I said, how can you tell? And he said, because the way you say Melbourne, you say like, he's like, most people would say Mel, like Melbourne or something, like a different way. And I was like... Uh, because I say Melbs, it's got to be the way you say yeah. the E. You yeah, said it yeah. perfect, though. Melbourne, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, but it's. Uh, I mean, I would love to live in Australia. Actually, really? Think, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, like a. 
Aussie at heart. Aussie at heart. Yeah. I don't know how to say it any other way. It's my favorite place in the world. And, um, I just said Hawaii was, but they're kind of tied. Oh, <laughs> so just one thing on Hawaii before we move on. The energy of Hawaii, I find the energy of Tulum. Have yeah. you been to Tulum? Uh-huh. Not since I was a kid, actually. They don't have surf there. No, but they've got cenotes. Is it cenotes? Is that how you yeah. say it? The yeah. underwater caves? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then I started researching all, like, the mystical stuff where they believe the underwater gods live there. Yeah. And I was like, sign me up. I'm going to my underwater caves. <laughs> And, and just the energy there felt. I'm an I'm a summer person, so Tulum, Hawaii, yeah, something magic. There's yeah. the energy shifts. Yeah, like I don't know what it does, but it it soothes your soul yeah. in some way that I can't describe. Well, Hawaii Hawaii is a place where like you feel so small, mm. which is such an ego check, and nature feels so big, mm. and um, and. It actually shapes the culture and the consciousness of the people who live there. And it's just so awesome. You know, the nature part of it's amazing in Hawaii, but to be around people who like really revere the ocean every time I go there, I'm like, I'm so with my people. And is it true? You said to me when you said hello, you said aloha. Oh, yeah. Which means hello in Hawaii, in Hawaii but doesn't it also just represent universal love? Or uh, is that, am I right? Yeah, it's or, a lot of people have that theory for sure. I mean, yeah, the sacred breath. Yeah, yeah. Um, or is it, I don't know. I just know that everywhere you go in Hawaii, that's hello and goodbye. Yeah, yep. I love it. Yeah, and it's, and, um, well, I only hesitated because there's a lot of value add that gets added to a lot of words. Like okay. even namaste, for example. Yeah. My wife is from India and she's like, it kind of just means hello. Yeah, but, really. But we add like, it means the light in you bows yeah. to light in me and everything. It's just like, but we don't really learn that. So much. So it just it, means hello. Yeah. I like that. But, though. But, but it's what I call value add. Like take yeah. a word and make it yours. And yeah, it means the light in me. So it's the light in you. And and that's awesome. Like I can't tell you how many yoga classes where that line has been said yeah. right before Namaste <laughs> at the beginning or end. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. It, oh. Um, but uh yeah, anyway, shout out to Melbourne. I love it. Thank I would live you. in Torquay in a second. Oh, there's a great yoga studio up there that I love. It's just opened. Which one? So Yoke Yoga. Oh, yeah. Chris Wilson, do you know him? Oh, like a brother. I taught there and He um, taught me to teach. I, oh my god, of yeah. course. Oh, you've got a great teacher. Uh yeah, I taught there in um March this year. I, so yeah. Chris he took me. I did went through his teacher training when it was still power living. Okay. And he took me under his wing, so I got one on one coaching as a teacher. Oh, right. Okay. I wonder if you know. I did just did my advanced training with. Do you know Duncan, the Canadian Duncan? I wonder if you know him. I probably do. He's uh, a he's a wanderlust boy as well. Oh, okay, yeah, for sure. I'll talk yeah, well yeah, yeah. after. Yeah. But yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I know you mean. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun, a lot of fun. Totally. Yeah. But, yeah, Chris Wilson's was a huge part of why I did yoga. I remember one day I was in a class and I used to assist him. Okay. So when I just finished my teach training, I'd assist his classes because it was all the power living way. You'd assist then you'd teach and you'd, that was the way you kind of became a teacher there. Okay. And I'd, I'd get so excited but nervous because his classes were packed, right? Yeah. And I'd be like, Chris, what are we, what's the theme? Like what are you working towards? You know, just so I know to prepare myself with this. And he's like, oh, lols, my head's a jungle, I don't know. And, I, and then you go in there and he's like, guys, today we're doing yoga. And then he just starts. Okay. Or he'll introduce himself and go, hey, I'm a surfer and I love yoga. We're going to do yoga today. Yeah. And then it's the most, this incredible class. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, I can see why you like this surfer. Totally. Actually, I know you want to get to the failure thing. I'll just tell you, I'll make it as quick <laughs> as possible. Do. One quick 
Chris Wilson story um, is that I originally met Chris when I was living in Vancouver so like a while ago, over a decade ago. Yeah. And um, and he was doing his teacher training in Vancouver at yeah. another place. Yeah. And uh, a friend of mine said, was dating him. Yeah. And she said, you know, I'm dating this guy and he's from Australia and he's been here in Vancouver for so long. And he's just, there's no, actually no surf in Vancouver, but yeah. there's a good surf on Vancouver Island. And he's like really missing the ocean and we have a vacation home over there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel for him. I never yeah. met him. I'm just like, <laughs> if I would hate to be away from the ocean like yeah. that. I'm like, here's the keys. Go use my house. Oh my God. Tell him, I never even met him. Like, just tell him to go use these boards and like take, I have like 20 surfboards in a locker. I'm like, take any board you want and just like go get your water fixed, dude. And so that's how I. Well, you know, it's him now. He's moved to be back at Torquay at the ocean. Let this be like totally there now. But I teach for Yoke. Oh my God. That's what I teach in Melbs. Okay. Good old Melbourne. Yes. Now we're all, now it's all coming together. Okay. So remind me though, I can't. In this podcast, I have yeah. to, I have to come back to Wales at the end. Okay. okay. Since we both have an affinity and a love for Wales, that's got to be the end. But okay, I'll look down at my tattoo at the end. Yes, I've got it written like orca circled in like big letters. Orca, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, the best. Okay, I got some, so I got some good orca stories. All right. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness, safe. But <laughs> we'll make the failure bit like really <laughs> snappy. Um, okay, so. You wrote to me these really cool three, like, lessons or failures, mm-hmm. and I found them so fascinating because I think often when people find their way to yoga, it can be that same feeling that you described that yeah. you felt here. Do you want yeah. to share a bit about, you You know, you're running a really successful company? Sure, yeah. Okay, 1994. So, um, yeah, the first failure I sent in was actually when I was – the odd thing is I asked my wife, I'm like, do you think this qualifies? Because it's actually – the time in my life where I was probably most successful mm. judging from the outside. Where, in other words, when I had the most financial success. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, at the beginning, I really introduced the idea of how I was inspired by nature and love and how I wanted to connect all the dots. My goal in life was to be a philosophy professor and teach the philosophy of love. I That's love what that. I was going to do. Yeah. I, I, and I moved to Hawaii uh, right after university, and I finished my university in France and I moved to Hawaii and um, I'm like I just was living the best life mm. I was dating somebody actually oddly enough she lives in Manly now and um, she, I know I know I'm gonna <laughs> see her this weekend um, but she was teaching English in Japan she's like come on over to Japan and, um, and I'm like okay I'll go and in Japan uh, I got really into martial arts and uh, what type can I ask? Uh, it's called Sadokan, which is not a really popular one outside okay. of Japan, but kind of the closest I can think of is like Muay Thai boxing. I do Muay Thai. That's okay. why I was keen yeah. to ask. It's kind of like that. You can you can um, punch to the body, but not to the head, but you can kick to the head. Oh, anyway, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I did all Solid. these contests over there. I kind of was, I mean, slowly drifting. For, I had dreadlocks and... Um, was this philosophy of love surfer yogi guy and um and was kind of drifting more into more manly <laughs> macho phase yeah and so i was in the martial arts phase and um the short story on this is that uh one of the guys that i trained with in the dojo his dad was a developer in mm-hmm. osaka japan and so he was getting all the building materials for the houses that they were building from canada where i'm from 
And he sat down with me one day, I can speak Japanese. And he sat down with me one day in the dojo and said, hey, I got a proposal. If you can save us 10% on these house packages, we'll give you five off the top. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds pretty good. And then, um, and he said, yeah, if you can save us 5%, we'll give you 2%. And I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. And at the time, I was pretty sick of Japan, to be honest with you. And I just wanted to get back to Hawaii. I'm like, I just want to go back to Hawaii, eat mangoes, do yoga, go surfing, (laughs) and (laughs) I can live that simple life again. Um, But there was a voice inside of my head, which oddly was my dad's voice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, my dad was a lawyer and he's very into business. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned a lot from my dad, but he was a man uh, in the man's world. And, um, you know, men have a very small box. We can talk sports and business and that's about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like with my dad, anything outside of the box of sports and business, we we didn't really have yeah. a spot. And unfortunately, his sport, by the way, was horse racing, which is so boring. But anyway, oh, yeah. um, back to the point here is that um, I I was saving up money to go back to Hawaii. And I thought, I looked at these plans and I said, I can do this. I can do yeah. this. And so I flew back to Toronto, where I'm originally from. And um, I took the money I was going to go to Hawaii with. Oh. And I, I, I um, asked all my friends who were builders I, I'm at the handyman gene in my family is super recessive. Like I still can't hammer a nail in straight. And I, um, I just I said, um, where do you buy doors? Where do you buy flooring? Where do you buy siding? And I priced out these house packages. I cut off my dreadlocks. I um, <laughs> bought a suit. I bought a ticket back to Japan. I sat in a boardroom in Osaka and I said, this is how much these people are charging you for these subdivisions Uh and this is how much I can charge you and I can get these crews to come over and build them. Mm. And they said yes. So like overnight, I went from being a free-spirited person um, on the philosophy of love track and eating mangoes and doing (laughs) yoga to um, a businessman. Mm. And um, I started my own company and – the, again, the, the shorter story on it is that it was super financially successful, mm. um, but there was a lot of stress and actually talking about being crushed for time. I was always crushed for time, like meaning like mm. I was always like yeah. deadlines and um, it was stressful. Mm. And, um, and there was a point where I'm just like, I, I was always thinking I can't keep doing this. Mm. This is not my purpose in life. And so that's why I call it a failure is the money was coming, but it was a failure in the sense of I was put on this planet, I believe, for a reason. Yeah. And I was failing at that. And um, and as much as the money was coming in, the real big thing I loved about that time in my life is that I was getting approval, mm. especially as a man, yeah. uh, meaning that now – when I talked to my dad and his friends, it wasn't like, oh, this is my son who wants to be a philosophy of love professor. <laughs> he was like, this is my son and he um, has this company that builds homes yeah, over in Japan. And totally. I'd be like stiff back going, yes, yeah. that's what I do. And everyone's like, well, how do you do it? And blah, blah, blah. And I would have this acceptance, which was even more, like I mentioned, even more than the financial success. Um, but just, I'm so glad I did it because I really realized actually to use the Joseph Campbell phrase, mm. what it's like to be climbing a ladder mm. and realize that it's against the wrong wall. Ah. 
you know? Well, do you know what? This is using your own quote on yeah. you right now. Okay. When you sent this to me, it, you said, I got to a place where I couldn't deal with the disconnect between the shape of my life and the calling of my internal compass. Mm, yeah. That's your quote, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it, it was such an important lesson. That's why yeah. I wouldn't, like, would I ever go back and, like, change that part of my life? I'm so glad I had it. And anyone listening to this, don't get me wrong, thinking that you need to quit your corporate job mm. and go be a yoga instructor. The world has lots of yoga instructors. I'm not trying to spread that message. What I'm saying is that everyone needs to know their life mission. Yeah. And mine is to be a conduit for love. It's to bring as much love fearlessly out into this planet as possible. And frankly, I was just falling way short of that, of my potential. And and uh, even to the point, like the day I quit yeah. was literally a day and it was, um, I lived in an apartment in Vancouver and there was a guy who lived across the hall from me and I thought he looked like a really interesting dude. Yeah. I'm like, I should get to know this guy. Yeah. And the months passed, the years passed and I never knocked on his door. I never knew him. I was too busy. And there was a day where a U-Haul was outside and new people were moving in. He had moved out. And I'm like, everything I stand for is this. Like this experiment where we no longer know our neighbors is wrong. Yeah. And I was one of those people that didn't know their neighbors. Yeah. And I just was, I, I'm like, I'm in the matrix. I'm living this dream. What is wrong with me? And, it, and that's when the feeling in my heart and my gut was just like unbearable. And I, we had, you know, we had fax machines. Yeah. Back then. I'd like, I thought it was a big deal. I sent a piece of paper through yeah. the phone line. <laughs> and I sent a fax to my clients and said, Arigato, sayonara, yeah. um, aloha. I'm going back to Hawaii. And I committed to never, ever um, doing anything that's not in line with that internal purpose. And, um, yeah. Oh, I love that. One of the prerequisites for this show is people that march to the beat of their own drum. Okay. So you clearly do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. And that's an example. But it's beautiful to hear you say that, share that story because yeah. I think we can all get a little bit lost uh, along the way and if you come back to that internal compass, that purpose, and if you're not sure of what that is, I say to people, find the, like, there's this word in psychology, like to be in flow state. Yeah. So find the flow, like find that thing where time stops for you. Exactly. And that's a pretty good like compass for you. Mm-hmm. And there's that awesome. You know, it's a good test too. Is yeah. like something you would do even if you didn't get paid. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. for me, I found that thing when I started teaching yoga. I'm like, I would do this even if I didn't get paid. In fact, yeah. People all the time are like, Oh, I love your class. I'm like, Oh, you have no. I love myself so much better because you were here and helped me like be a channel for something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you make me want to do your class as well now. <laughs> Lucky I'll get to see your well, Wanderlust. Well, there's a room right down the hall here. We can go, <laughs> we can go rock. So out good. And Wanderlust, I'm so pumped to see you there. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I've already looked at the schedule. We're on at the same time, but I think you're on a second time. I'm going to sneak to it. I or you're think speaking. we're both on the same time I looked. Yeah, damn know, it. I know. It. Of course they do that. Now... This bit I love because I think a lot of yoga teachers, yeah. I know I've been in this scenario before and, you know, you do your teacher training and you're like, yeah, I'm going to teach yoga and it's going to be awesome and, you know, everyone's going to love it. I'm going to have a great playlist, I'm, I'm, you know, and you get almost kind of like caught up in the, 
uh, how you want it to be yeah and how you the ego wants it to be as well and well how the postcard looks totally. <laughs> I mean, how the brochure looks you, you see your favorite yoga teacher and you're like i want to be like them totally. and then you graduate and then you're like i'm at the bottom of this big ass total <laughs> yeah totally yeah and yes yeah, so you when you decided to teach yoga you were in vancouver yep and talk about yeah um well, I mean, there, there is a thread through all this, too, because it's kind of chronological. Um, so I, after I moved back to Hawaii, um, I, I was living there. But um, when I was crossing the border from Vancouver to go back into Hawaii on the flight, um, they said, oh, we think you're living in Hawaii. Like, if oh, you can yeah. bring um, these documents, we'll let you back in. And I could have done it. But it was kind of a wake-up call of like, okay, I'm really just going in debt in Hawaii. Um, okay, I'm going to stay in Vancouver and get my act together. Mm. And then so I started going to, at that time in Vancouver, there was literally two or three yoga studios. Yeah. And there was yoga, but it was like in YMCA or like church basements mm -hmm. and stuff like this. And I just couldn't find the type of classes I was going mm. to in Hawaii. So I'm like, this is it. I... I'm going to start teaching yoga. Like when I lived in Hawaii, I never thought I was going to teach yoga because a lot of my teachers had been teaching yoga since before I was born. Yeah. And I'm like the last thing Hawaii needs is another yoga instructor. <laughs> um, but then I went to Vancouver. I'm like, I can't find it. So this is, this is my chance yeah. to step up and really answer my calling. And so, again, another thread through this whole thing is Joseph Campbell, who, of course, said, follow your bliss. Do you know that quote? Yeah. Yeah. So Blissology is a nod to Joseph Campbell's yes. work, Bliss all, um, Follow Your Bliss. But do you know the whole quote? No. It said, follow your bliss and doors will open where once there were walls. Yes. Follow your bliss and doors will open where, where once there were walls. And so I'm like, that's it. Um, I'm going to follow my bliss and doors are just going to magically open for me. Mm. Okay. So I I... I Came back with a little bit of credit card, a lot of credit card debt, actually, from Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii does that too. And um, and I rented a space to teach yoga. Mm -hmm. And um, just, you know, by the night, I rented it for two hours a night in this community center. And no one came. And when I say no one, I don't mean, like, a few people. I mean literally no one. And so I tell the story when people graduate from our trainings all the time because it's not going to be easy. And so I would walk into this room, open the door, and no one would be mm. there. And I'd stand there, and no one would be there. And I'd be like, you know, almost in tears. <laughs> like, okay. okay, pick yourself up, man. Like, take a big breath. And I would just do my practice by mm. myself. I'm like, I got the space rented. I might as well just do my practice by myself. And so in that sense, I was a failure. Like, my dad was like, you're teaching what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing yoga. And he's like, okay. <laughs> And, um, and, and, uh, night after night after night for two months yeah. straight, nobody came and it was $75 every night to rent the space. And, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if failure is the right word, but it was a challenge. And what I really learned is about like the Ganesha principle. Oh, so as yeah, you know, yeah, Ganesha, we call him the remover of obstacles, mm -hmm. but he places obstacles in your way. And what I learned about having the obstacle in your way is mm -hmm. that it helps you to get clear. And so it's an initiation process. Mm -hmm. 
So it makes it made me look and say, do you really, really want this? The mm. universe made me go, are you sure this is what you mm. want to do? Because we're not going to just give it to you. Yeah. And if you're willing to like stick it out through this, yeah. then okay, we'll let you in. Um, so Joseph Campbell's quote, follow your bliss and doors will open where once there are walls. What I learned is that follow your bliss the universe will initiate you to make sure you really want it. And then doors will open where yeah, once there were totally. walls. Because what happened is literally, I remember the night two people came. Mm. And we have this shampoo commercial when I was young. And they told two friends and they told two friends and so on and so and on and so on. And within a year, the issue was that the room fit 100 people. Yeah. But, like, 120 people were showing up. So, like, we didn't have to send people home. And, like, there was the mats were just jammed in there. So, like, the doors did open, but it was not easy. And so, I mean, I think this is a real big lesson for not just yoga teachers, but any conscious entrepreneur mm, that totally. really wants to fuse their passion with making a living. And they're going to, like, we just have to realize that we're all going to have to go through this initiation process. I'm sure for you, the doors didn't just magically open. Um, you had to really just curl in on yourself and go, uh, you know, it's it's like that pressure yeah, of the world yeah, caving in yeah, on you. Yeah, totally. That's how diamonds are made. Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. And, and you just had to find that internal diamond inside of you and go, this is coming out just I'm sure right totally yeah totally like I I've had businesses that have failed many a time and I've taken it as a gift but I but I've at that stage also walked away and gone I had a smoothie bar you would have loved it actually oh yeah it's like a vegan (laughs) smoothie bar green smoothies and asahi bowls and probably stuff that's right up your alley very Hawaiian because I always go to Hawaii so very Hawaii inspired and it's would go nuts in the summer it'd sell but Melbourne in the winter is like Siberia. It's freezing. Yeah, yeah. And you don't I've want smoothie there. bowls. Yeah, yeah, you don't want you want warming food. Like we were talking about that seasonal kind of thing. Yeah. You want more like brothy things or soups. You don't want a cold smoothie that will literally, yeah. you know, in even Vedic and Chinese medicine, it's going to cool you. It's going to do the opposite of what the body needs. Oh, yeah. And it would just die. In the, in the winter yeah. it would die, die. Like it, no, no one would go. We floated it every single winter, the partners really? and I. Yeah. Wow. And it got to the fourth year where we'd have to float it and the main investor was like, I'm out. And wow. I think they all offered me a really awesome cheap deal to buy everyone out. Yeah. And I said, and I initially cried. I definitely had my emotional, I was totally attached at that stage and my ego was like, oh, my God. But then I sat with it and I went back into the meeting and I said, give me a week to think about it. And I went back in and I said, guys, I'm ready to sell with you. And they were like, what? And it was the best experience. And do you know what I learned? Oh, so you sold it? Yeah, I sold it. Oh, good. Yeah, it was a failure. No, no, I just sold it to someone that could give a bit more passion than I could give. Right. And I learned hospitality wasn't my jam either. But the interesting thing for me was people would, and I've spoken about this a little bit, People would look at me and I'd be like, they'd be like, how's, it was called Happy Place. Okay. And they go, how's Happy Place going? I go, oh, I sold it. And they go, you'd either get 80% of people would go, oh, are you okay? Yeah. And then 20% of people would be like, yeah. oh, this is so exciting. Next next level. Yeah. It's like a video game. You're like, okay, yeah. I can leverage this now. Totally. And so now I, that's why this podcast exists. I love 
those yeah. moments where, like you said, that obstacle is put in front of you and you can either go, do I really want this? Like, do I yeah. really? And I got offered to buy out the other partners super cheap. And yeah. I was like, I, this isn't in line with my, my bliss. Yeah. And it was a, be- and it wasn't a bad thing that it wasn't either. Right. Exactly. Kind of like when you're in Japan, you're like, this is, I was financially successful. I learned all these things. I, I lived that like the manly, manly style. Yeah. And then. But it wasn't in line with your bliss. Yeah. And as long as your ego's not in it, it's like no drama. Yeah. Right? Like you you try a pair of shoes on and they don't fit. You're like, these these are too narrow for my foot. Yeah. And it's no big deal. And you're like, I tried the smoothie bar on it. And if your ego's not in it, you're like, I tried it. It's not me. You yeah. Know? But I learned a ton. And, you know. And now I'm doing a podcast that I love. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so we've got one more failure. Then we get to talk okay. about whales again. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> got it. Um, this one I love. Uh as somebody, I've moved to different parts of the world and different countries and different um, cities and this feeling that you describe when you move to California, yeah, I can relate to. So I'm so excited for you to kind of, and, and it kind of speaks to the Joseph Campbell quote again about no open doors. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, that door, that's, a, a, that's an example of, okay, so, so the short story on this one now is that, um, I'm honestly a closet Australian. I mentioned that. So if I was born in Australia, I would have none of these problems. But the fact is I was born in Canada. And so to be in, and, and I love surfing. Okay, so if you're going to be a surfer in Canada, you need to move to this little town called Tofino, which is like more remote than Iceland. And um, it has 1,500 people in it. And, mm-hmm. and um I tried to do it with my wife, who's from mm. Bombay, India, mm. a tropical city of 20 million people. Yeah. <laughs> so moving to a small, remote Canadian fishing town where it rains 14 feet a year to um, so I could surf was just not her jam. Mm. And so um, I'm like, okay. And she loves cities. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, if you like cities and I want to surf, that means we can live, move to Sydney. Mm-hmm. San Francisco or Los Angeles. Mm. Um, so we ended up, long story short, we moved to um, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Venice, but the Beautiful. surf there is brutally bad. Like I understand oh, why really? skateboarding was invented in Venice because everyone's jacked up on surf, but there's never any surf. So they're like, let's just go skate in the pools because <laughs> yeah. it's just horrible for surfing. And, I didn't know uh, this. Yeah, it has all the image. Like, you'll see surf shops everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But when you're actually living there, it's going to drive you crazy if you're a surfer. I mean, unless you like surfing knee-high wind waves. Got it. It got was it. driving me crazy <laughs> and um, with with 500 other people. Yeah. And um, so I would always look at the forecast, and I was looking at the coast all the time in Northern California. Um, well, actually, we're going to move to or, – or down south in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a long story, but the way the waves come in L.A., it's in a bay, so it doesn't get the same waves. And there's the islands out there, the Channel Islands mm-hmm. that block the surf and everything. So basically the better surf is either south in San Diego or north um, up by San Francisco. And so we were going to move to San Diego. But then we ended up moving, like right when we were looking at houses there, I'm, I'm from a place with a lot of trees and mountains. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, my God, I don't know if I – I love all the sunshine and beaches and stuff like that, but I'm like, I really – don't know if I can not be around trees and and forests. It's and like Hawaii um, is so good to get like that yeah, mountain and, and earth. Yeah. And so I'm like, how about Santa Cruz? And she was like, sure. So like literally we changed our whole life. Mm. We moved up to Santa Cruz. Um, and it ticked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a spot where 
um, I could not just teach yoga, but I wanted to take people on retreats where yeah. we could get them from um, out into nature as uh-huh. well. Um, and Santa Cruz, if you don't know it, it's Northern California. It's only an hour and a bit from San Francisco uh-huh. down the coast. But if you drive like a mile or two out of town, your mobile phone doesn't work. Like uh-huh. it's it's just beaches. It's windy and mm. foggy a lot, but it's so gorgeous. Like I would rather, I'm the type of person I'd rather be on a beach with no one on it in a totally. sweater yeah, yeah. than with 500 people on in amazing weather. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so we're like, this place is going to work for us. It's really close to Silicon Valley. We can bring all those stressed out people with money over yeah. here. And just, like <laughs> on paper, like computer dating. Yeah. Like totally. swipe right. This is amazing. We're, this is our spot. And, um, and so we moved to Santa Cruz. Uh, but it didn't let us in. It just didn't let us in uh, for so many different reasons. Um, the Canadian dollar changed. So yeah. that, as you know, in Australia, mm. it's painful. The U.S. dollar just got so strong that, um, you know, I, like, I'm friends with Chip from Lululemon. Mm. And uh, I'm like, how did you build your business up in the U.S.? And he's like, well, our Canadian business was so strong. Even though when we first started in the U.S., we were kind of losing money, we could use our Canadian sales mm. to float us. That didn't really work out for me because none of, when we tried to run our programs there, anyone from Canada, like Australia, would like say, I'm not going to the U.S. where I have to pay 30% yeah. more for everything. Yeah. So then that whole, like, that's the, that was a big part of my economic driver. I couldn't do that anymore. Um, so that was one way it didn't let us in. And then um, I didn't have any credit, so we couldn't buy a house. Mm. And so um, even though... We had equity with a home in Canada. That didn't count for anything in the U.S. And so literally in Santa Cruz, when we moved there, the average house price was 700000 mm. And by the time we decided to leave, it was $1.1 million. Because oh Silicon Valley is right over the corner. Yeah. And it just moved in like crazy. So within that three-year period, wow. when, when I did finally have credit, I'm like, well, we just can't hang here anymore. And there's a few other reasons, um, which I don't know. It basically... I realized the whole reason ultimately why I'm doing this is so I can surf more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's awesome. like, oh, did, did, was it the sunshine? Was it, did it rain too much in Vancouver? I'm like, no, I, I, I love surfing in the rain. I don't mind five mil wetsuits, any of that stuff. I'm cool. It's just, um, yeah, I just wanted to live somewhere where I had a beach down yeah, the street. I could totally. surf. And it did not let us in for so many other reasons. And, and that's when you had to realize like that, these doors were just not opening and it's a fine line between trying to push doors open yeah. to keep using that same analogy. Yeah. I think I wrote it to you too. Yeah. Um, and when you have to realize, okay, this is not my door. And so, so this, I wrote this down. Do you yeah. want to know what you wrote? Sure. What you said, you, cause you write beautifully. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Cool. It was the difference between pushing down, pushing doors open and recognizing that sometimes when a door doesn't open, it simply isn't your door. Mm. And then it made me think of um, the yogi word for non-attachment. You will know that. I don't know how to say that word. What do you have written there? That word, that upper. Aparigraha, yeah. See, I can never get yeah. that one out. Yeah. Non-attachment, yeah. Though, right? Yeah. And so that knowing, hey, this is not, this is not yeah. Our, yeah. our jam anymore. Yeah, it's like... Um, I'm getting I'm getting pushed somewhere else and you you know, you have to trust the process. Totally. Yeah. And failure. Thank failure. you. Failure. Yeah, so you, I failed you. I failed at it. No, I just I mean, learned a ton and I wouldn't go back. 
Yeah, but you've done it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've, you've like, you've explored it and you've learned and you've, even though it feels like failure at the time. Yeah. There were probably all these things that you were like, actually, I've learned this, I've learned this. I hope it doesn't freak you out because you're just about to move to California. No, no. <laughs> I'm a gypsy, so I'm yeah, very yeah. like, I practice a lot of touch. I'm yeah. like, oh, if this works, this is awesome. No, and it, and it could be totally different for you, right? Like, that's the whole thing. It's like, just because my journey didn't work out doesn't mean yours is yours is a completely fresh one. Well, as long as I'm following my bliss and my heart, happy days. Yeah. That can be anywhere in the world. Right. You know? Exactly. That doesn't start exactly. the moment you land somewhere or the moment that you uh, get that dream job or find the perfect person. You know, it doesn't – you've got to be doing that now wherever you are in the moment. 100%. I think. Yeah. Wales. Wales. Okay. Okay, so I have a question for you. Okay. Um, being – a Canadian, yeah. I have heard that you can kayak in the wild with orca whales. Yeah, 100%. Um, <sighs> I mean, there's so many whales, orcas, uh, where we live now in this city called Victoria. Um, I was mentioning to you before we yeah, started, I yeah. could literally walk down the street on a stand-up paddleboard and go probably a mile offshore and be with the orcas. They have tours all the time. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I told you I was going to tell you some orca stories. Yes, please, but yeah. yes, please. <laughs> um, so orcas are super interesting because Vancouver Island is an island. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a strait in between. So Vancouver Island and the mainland. Mm-hmm. And the orcas live on the inland side. Mm-hmm. Um, and they live in big pods of like 40, 50 orcas. Yeah. But genetically, they're exactly the same. But sociologically, they're completely different. Different languages, so, right? Different dialects. Well, it's just how they how they live. Because the orcas on the coast mostly are solo, or maybe they'll go together in a pack of, I'm I'm not exactly sure, three, four, maybe yeah. six, and hunt together. But otherwise, they're solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Versus it's crazy. versus living. Yeah. Like when you see them on the yeah. inside passages. There's, you know, like I mentioned, 40 or 50, but on the outside, you'll just see like a couple. And there's a matriarch. It's run by the girl. Did you know that? I didn't know that actually. Yeah, it's a, it's the it's the mama bear that's in charge of the whole pack. Okay. Yeah, and so different so different orcas depending on where they live have different dialects. So you yeah. can't just take one from captivity and just shove it into a pod. Yeah. Or just be like, oh, you're free now. Right. And that's why there's all these plans to kind of like create these kind of like. It, I don't know, it's like a halfway home where you're in the sea and you've got all this space but you're, you're still kind of like netted off to a certain extent and then eventually you get freed. Yeah. Because they don't, you can't just shove it in a family of orcas because they may not be accepted or oh. know how to speak the dialect. Okay, cool. How fascinating. Amazing. Well, They're I hope so some smart. of the biologists out there can send us information and all this stuff because if I didn't teach yoga, I would be a marine biologist oh. in a second. That would be my yeah. next jam. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, the thought... I was thinking as you were saying all that is it reminds me of other predators like lions mm. where it's like the lioness is the one that yeah. goes out and hunts and yeah. like I don't know it's like where they're kind of really in a weird way calling the shots more than we like to admit oh. um, but I wonder if that's something about predators I'm, I'm sure. going to send you the link and I will post the link in the um, show notes here for blackfish because I think okay. you do know that it's sad though yeah, yeah, you do see animals in captivity, but oh, yeah. it's so fascinating. I've heard about it now that you've mentioned it 100%. Yeah. 
It's yeah. but that's the stuff that causes social change. Yeah. I'm so oh, I love that kind of like, and because I love, I'm studying acting, I love film and all of that kind okay. of thing. I'm like, oh, let's just make a doco and save the world. Yeah. Um, the other thing, just on the whale thing, have you ever swam with whale sharks? Yes. Yeah. How, I had incre- my, how incredible! Inadvertently, had my hand inside of one's mouth. Like I didn't <gasps> mean to. It's just. No. It was close They're pretty and massive. I was swimming. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it was and they and they move like sharks. Yeah. I like saw, they, so I swam with them in the wild in the Maldives. Okay. Or some people call it the Maldives. Apparently I'm saying it. Maldives, I don't know. Yeah. There's but a third option. <laughs> you swim on the you swim you kind of you're you're above them and they kind of these they're pretty gentle giants though. They're oh not my gonna god. Hurt you. No, I know. But still when you I didn't I didn't want to be that close. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of happened that they came close to me. Um, but, yeah, uh, but that was in Baja. Anyway, yeah, I love being with marine animals. And, um, yeah, the or- relating to the orca story, um, you know, because, especially here where so many people are like, oh, I just like to surf in my, my boardies. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> no, it's so worth I know everything is pushies and boardies and <laughs> wetties. <laughs> totally. Yeah, anyway, um, I'm like, oh, I don't mind having a 5 mil wetsuit on because mm. where I'm from, you get out in so much nature. Like I look down up the coast, there's nothing, no houses, and you're just with so much rugged nature. And it's it's just true soul surfing. And um, and so there's one time where I was surfing in a very pretty remote place. Mm-hmm. And I think there's me and maybe four other guys at yeah. the time. And uh, it's a pretty epic day of surfing. We're sitting in the lineup. And uh, I would say about 30 both sea lions and seals, it, they all came jumping up through the water. Like, and yeah. we were laughing. We're going, God, what is it? Like sea lions on parade, they're all jumping. But now I know what to look for. Oh, because the orcas were rounding them up and hunting them. Well, I only saw one orca, but yeah, one orca. And their dorsal fin is like six feet high. Yeah. Like bigger than me. Yeah. And, and it just, and it swims <laughs> right by us. And, and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you, 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 everything you said goes through your mind rationally. Like, okay, they've never eaten humans before, yeah. but I'm like, I'm not sure how many humans have been in this exact yeah. position. <laughs> also, they're called a killer whale. Yeah, and exactly. Like, there's all these things you can look on YouTube, whether a killer whale or a great white shark would win. So you know that they've got, and they're like the apex predator. Oh yeah, killer whales win every time. And you, yeah. and you've got a blue whale, right? Yeah, blue a, whale. And yeah. haven't. I'm pretty sure orcas are a bit mean to blue whales, babies. Oh yeah, and yeah. There's plenty of documentaries. The orca. I mean, nature's away from the mama and keep them under. Nature's and- ruthless, and they got to eat. But um, God, I think it was in Blue Planet, the original one. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about the documentary, but I saw it a long time ago. Of uh, we get a lot of uh, also the gray whales that come up from Mexico yeah. where I live, and so it showed the orcas off mm. the coast of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And they um, get in between the mother and yeah. the calf. And yeah. have you seen this? And they separate it. Yeah. And they eventually sink it. Yeah. And so the you know the whales can't stand in the yeah. water forever. They need to breathe like every fifteen minutes or something. But it, they submerge it so the whale actually drowns. And yeah, then I don't know if you've it. seen this actual documentary. But then what they do, the orcas, is they only eat the tongue mm-hmm. and the jaw. And and you're like, what a waste! Why would they do that? But then, like nature, you got to kind of see the grander scheme of things. Because as the documentary went on, like I, the, a year later, the orcas—I mean, the the whale—is 
still being eaten. And I read a fact that actually the amount of time, I heard someone talking about this, um, and again, the biologists can write in and correct mm. me if I'm wrong, but they said that it's approximately the amount of time it takes for a corpse to get fully eaten in the ocean is the same as the whale's life. Oh, so if wow. a whale lives to be 80 years, it takes it takes about 80 years to fully, um, for all that micro bacteria to eat that whale, it, it'll feed for that long. Um, so, you know, um, nature helps us see a grander scheme than yeah. just us, you know. Can I ask one more nature question and sure. a whale question? Yeah. Or surfer question. Have you ever been, there's this um, amazing surfer, David Rastovich, free surfer, done yeah. heaps for the environment. We spoke about him earlier. Total hero. I want to connect with him. I, I, I know oh, I have all kinds of friends who know him and I'm just like, I got to, yeah, I, oh, just, yeah, I just want to meet him and give him a high five at the very least. Yeah, go Totally. Yeah. He's actually got a podcast okay. that he gets people on. I'm pretty sure that you could, the prerequisite for going on is being passionate about saving the ocean okay <laughs> so i feel like you've got that prerequisite yeah. down pat but i'll put you in touch with tim because they're all all connected okay um but he talked about this one day he talk, talked about the intelligence of dolphins and he okay. said he was surfing one day and there was a tiger shark so oh, that's yeah. one of the like nasty sh- not nasty but they can hurt humans a little bit oh yeah they're fast and can be aggressive yep and he was surfing and there was a tiger shark and a, uh, a pod, I don't know if it was a pod or it was dolphins that just kept circling him and his mate that were that were um, out surfing and probably in the firing line of yep. this tiger shark and they kept circling them as they paddled into where it was safe. Yeah. And the dolphins kept them safe by circling the two surfers as they got into shallow water and couldn't get out of the water. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I've heard him tell that story before. It's- Have you um, ever had experience with, like, dolphins or is there anything in the ocean where you've just been like, how did that just happen to me in an amazing or, like, encounter? Yeah. I mean, I've never been actually saved by dolphins. I mean, that's a pretty extreme story. um, I've set the bar high. (laughs) Yeah, you set the bar high. But I've had so many amazing interaction with animals. Um, Okay, I'll tell you a quick one. Um, Sea lions, where I'm from, um, you know, they're in the water all the time. And... uh, and so I'm surfing once, and mm. the sea lion, you know, you, have you ever been on the beach and, like, a dog comes up to you, they're, and they're kind of cute but kind of annoying? Yeah, like, they're yeah. getting sand all over yeah, your food, yeah. and you're trying to have a picnic, and you're like, okay, you're cute, but you're, like, yeah. this is too rambunctious <laughs> for the vibe that's going on here right now. <laughs> anyway, so this that was that sea lion. <laughs> so um, I'm on my surfboard, and it, for some reason, took a real liking to me. So it was jumping over me, under me, knocked me off my board, <laughs> bumping into me under the water. And I don't know if you ever felt a sea lion under the water. Yeah, up there, like we have the big um, stellar sea lions, which are like 2,000 pounds. These are the smaller California ones that are like um, 200 pounds, 300 pounds. Still so solid. Still pretty big, yeah. <laughs> Not as big as the big, big ones. Those guys scare me. Anyway, um, but when they bump into you, it feels like part fish and part horse like they're hairy oh, but it's yes, of but it's smooth anyway they're bumping into you and I wasn't really romanticizing it like oh this is such a great <laughs> nature moment I'm like I didn't know if it was actually aggressive thinking yeah. like you're I'm like dude I'm, I'm in a committed relationship I have no interest in your <laughs> women like, <laughs> I, oh, I didn't know if, or if they're being if it was being friendly and I'm like yeah. even if it is being friendly it takes a little nip like there goes my pinky like yeah. I, I, there's nothing romantic about that situation yeah. I don't I'm never like, oh, these are stuffed animals and like yeah. just whatever. I'm like, I, I, but still, it just kept jumping on me. So I went in, and my friends are like, ah, oh, they're laughing. And I walked like 400 meters up the beach. I don't, I'm trying to get talk all like in meters, but like probably 200 meters up. Yeah, yeah. And I went out again. And he found you. 
you found me again. <laughs> and I went home. I'm like, uh, that's it. I'm done. But what was interesting is I went back the next day yeah. and it was kind of, it was more rainy, drizzly day. There wasn't as many people on the beach. In fact, I kind of had this particular break almost to myself. And it was one of these days where it was a long period swell, so there's no waves for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then the waves would come. And I'm sitting on my board. And so this sea lion, I should mention, was super distinctive because it was like a beige, mm-hmm. very light beige color. Mm-hmm. And it's this <laughs> little beige head pops up beside me. <laughs> the next day. Next day. And I'm like, oh, my God, you totally ruined my surf yesterday. And here you are again. And but he was like kind of more calm, or she, I don't know, was kind of more calm. And I was like looking at it, and and we're like making eye contact, and I'm talking to it, and I'm like, hey, what's your name? I'm like, I'm gonna call you Sammy, like salmon, you know, and, and Sammy the sea lion. And anyway, so a wave finally comes, and I paddle for the wave, yeah. and I catch the wave, and Sammy goes, and and just super graceful, yeah, in the wave. Underneath me just opens up its pectoral little fins and and just shh, like an eagle just uh, rides the wave like this. I'm doing you. all of these cutbacks yeah. over top of it, and then the wave ends yeah. and like the seal, uh, the sea lion stops, and we swim out like head to head, like just and no. and it makes me think about the moment where wolves became dogs. You know, like how yeah. we domesticate these things because there's such a I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. Like we would just, he would just sit there with me until the wave came, and we caught about six waves. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and then it got dark, and I paddled in. See you, Sammy. That was the last I ever saw Sammy. But it was just such a, you know, when when I have these experiences, you just like, you know, we're talking about love and nature and the ocean, yeah. and just to bring it full circle. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, well, as you were saying that, it, to me, it came back to connection. Yeah. Which. Connection. It comes back to everything that you're about as well. Yeah. Oh my and that's God. why, uh, you know, that's why my goal is as the world becomes more paved and more digital um, and more busy that I hope that we can still, like we were originally talking about, keep nature as the greatest spiritual portal. Absolutely. And, and kind of the end game, uh, meaning that for many people, the end game of meditation is to, you know, sit in this perfect white studio on the 30th floor in New York with beautiful white robes and everything. I'm like, Mm-mm. that's not my end game. No. My end game is to use those skills and get out into nature and to really receive the message of what nature has to offer. I I love that. Yeah. And I feel like you will appreciate one of my dreams in life. I want to live in a treehouse, like off the grid, okay. just live in nature, awesome. make friends with animals. All that stuff sounds very hippie and boho, and but it's just... I think when you described that dream of being this white apartment in New York, I was like, oh, that couldn't be further from yeah. take me to a forest, yeah. upstate New York maybe, exactly. in a treehouse. That's my kind of dream. I but. love it. Good. Well, I, I hope more people are inspired by that, you know, because my dream is actually my litmus test for success. I've told you about failure. Yeah. It's pretty simple, actually. I want to be able to write lots of books. Yeah. I want to be able to read lots of books. Number two, I want time with my family. Mm. And number four is I want to be able to spend as much time with a blank mind looking out into the ocean as possible. You're amazing. <laughs> You've blown me away. And we've talked for so long, but I love it. It makes me happy. 
Yeah. Nearly an hour 20, my friend. Okay, awesome. Uh, that's my, this a is a record. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, thank you so much you, for people listening. I don't know where to start with how much you've taught us today because there has been so much, but get out into nature, connect, live from love fearlessly. Yeah, you that's know? it. And for people that want to know more about you, Blissology, you're on Insta, you've got website. I've yeah, listened everything's to, Blissology. Yeah. Everything's Blissology. Yeah, Facebook. And do you know what, guys, those eco-karma retreats, they sound amazing. <laughs> Sign me up. Thank you. You're wonderful. Oh, my God. Thanks for doing all this and uh, stay inspired, everyone. Kindness equals happiness. I love it. Kindness equals happiness. Thank you. Peace. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love.